Hey everybody, this is Josh. You've reached the Mayfair Theater podcast, and I'm joined today by our old friend Lee. Old, old, uh, very old. <laughs> I'm glad I bought that scooter I was telling you about. <laughs> Eric and Andrew are off on assignment. I don't know. They're both not here today. Yes. So there was a, a space in the socially distant safe recording booth so i said hey lee are you free this afternoon i feel very safe right now thank you because usually when there's three of us in here it is the perfect mathematical distance that we're away from each other so if you put a fourth person in it doesn't work anymore i just we just left the bank together and i noticed on a sign on the door maximum two people per elevator oh right is that everywhere in ottawa too because when the elevator doors open three people got out <laughs> does that even work though you'd have to be like shoulder to each wall and I think I think they say Canada is the safest place in the world right now for COVID. I think us in New Zealand, which yeah. is like tiny Canada. And specifically Ontario, specifically Ottawa. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're doing really good, right? Yeah. So. And, and it's like you see the rest of the world, like you can identify with this. Gwen and I, in an alternate universe, would have gone to see the Star Wars stuff at Disneyland already. Mm. But then COVID happened and we didn't buy tickets or anything, but we had a plan to go off season, you know, go in April or September or whatever. And now, I mean, I don't think I might ever go back to Florida. California is much safer, but still like as we speak, you could yeah. just go to Disneyland and wear masks and sit on rides. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know That's about crazy. that, guys. <laughs> I never have felt the urge ever to strangle a child. Sometimes I see Homer do it with the Bart. It makes me laugh. Yeah. But every time I meet a kid who's been to Galaxy's Edge and has been on the Millennium Falcon, I know about six now. Oh, wow. I just, I'm so jealous of children. <laughs> because I guess they went just before COVID hit. And I was like, Arr! I had my tickets too. Okay. So elevators. And I was just going to talk about safety a little bit more. I forget what I was going to say. But yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, it, Greg Sestero is in Texas right now. Like a madman. Is he working? Uh, he's there showing the room and doing. Oh, the really? Oh, promoting great. his Don't. new movie. <laughs> and it's like, geez, we want to have you at the Mayfair. Why are you screwing around in Texas for? Well, like I am. Maybe he's double vaccinated. I mean, he probably is. Yeah, but still, like my friend Jen, who you might know, she's a costume designer person. Everyone's all vaxxed and her family's all super safe. And she's working on these TV movies that shoot in town. But those are all, you see, behind the scenes photos and everyone's in masks. And mm -hmm. she said every, all the, the costume people are over in this tent and the sound people are like one boom person and a sound recordist and they stay away from everybody. And nonetheless, her kid got it. Nothing serious, but got it. So it shows you that it's still there. Yeah, Guillermo from Jimmy Kimmel got it. Oh, wow. And they're fully vaccinated, and they only yeah. let people in fully vaccinated. He still got it. But because he's vaccinated, apparently if you're vaccinated and you get it by one, like that third percent, yeah, it's still, because you're vaccinated, it's still pretty safe. Just stay home, they say. It's not the end of the world. You don't have yeah. to come to the hospital. Just stay home. and It's if you're out. a dummy and you get it. Like you see some places down in the States are at this like, disaster movie level their hospitals are full and you don't want to make light of it but you look at it and you're like oh well this city and this state are all vaxxed and the ones that aren't are having the problems i wonder what's happening it's yeah. so silly but so yeah like who knows like people keep asking bless their little hearts they keep asking like when's saturday morning cartoons when's the room when's rocky horror when's live music with silent film and it's like well those all pack the place or, like with Rocky Horror, our shadow cast is very interactive. They're sitting on your lap, they're spanking you, they're singing, they're running up and down the aisles. You can't really do that in a social distant manner. Yeah. Or the room, you can't throw spoons at each other. Like, 
I, w- I want to have a conversation with you at the bank that I forgot to have with you, and maybe we can have it over podcast. Yeah. If you think it's not worthy, and we can we can skip it. But I wanted to tell you about the happy ending of my movie. <laughs> okay. So I'm making a film right now, and a lot of it's set in the Mayfair. And in the film, the Mayfair Theater is closed. It's an alternate right. universe where the Mayfair Theater is closed because a multiplex opened across the street. I told you and our other partners, there's no way the Mayfair is going to survive this. But we're lucky, right? We're lucky that our members are so good. We, we dodge every bullet. But in my film, the Mayfair is closed. And the happy ending is that the heroes of the movie find this Aztec treasure. And the museum buys it from them. And they're able to reopen the cinema. And the happy ending was... The B, I was going to have 325 extras in the cinema and we show that and everyone's happy and the movie ends. I thought maybe we could shoot it at the end of the summer. And right, like, how yeah, am I yeah. supposed to fill the theater? And I'm thinking now, do you think it'd be a sign of the times if I just had 75 people in the theater, everyone's wearing masks and yeah. the characters say to themselves, What's going on? <laughs> well, we made this movie over COVID. What do you expect? And I'm thinking of going with that kind of happy ending. Yeah, because, I mean, if you wait, I don't want to be a naysayer. It could be another, another year. year before that happens. So, yeah, it could be. Gwen and I were watching this really good, I love this stuff, a, a UFO documentary. And it was a really smart one where it pushed you to one side of going, none of it's real, none of it's real, none of it's real. And then it would go, bang, here's some footage. And it did a really good job of like yeah. playing with your brain like that. It's produced like by stuff. Bad Robot. It's produced by JJ. Oh, I saw the trailer for that. Very good. But in it, a couple times, you know how the modern documentary is a bit fast and loose? You would see someone holding a clapperboard or somebody coming in to adjust oh. a mic, and they'd have a mask on. And so in 50 years, when somebody watches that documentary... That's just to me like, oh, they filmed it in 20, it's 2020. It's, I find that very interesting. I keep waiting for that movie to come out where you think, oh, look, there's the mask. Or, yeah. I've seen Tom Cruise wearing a mask, but not, you know. In, in the, the movie. movie, yeah. So I thought it'd be fun. And I, want, I like talking to you about it, because, not specifically because it's, it's Gwen who's, you know, yeah. and, and my wife. And it's so a few people in my life who I like having around who are really extra cautious about things. Yeah. That, you know, kind of put a, you know, put your, the pedal to the, not the pedal to the metal, the brake to the metal. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And, and make Thank you God. rethink. Because even like we had some friends who went out to visit Moncton recently. And Gwen wasn't angry. She didn't confront them about this. But she was a little bit like, the rule books say you still shouldn't do this. You know, like, so certain people are taking steps and everything turned out fine. And I'm sure they're being safe. But if you look at the rule books right now, they're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't cross provincial borders you probably shouldn't do this and people are starting to do that and so yeah like this has been my my you know what would batman do for the past 10 years for me is what Mm. would gwen do and so and and, it's nice and it's been great for the mayfair because ever because she works in a theater as well a live theater and so she's been great about shooting information our way that then i share and be like oh this is the rule. This is the numbers. So so do you think that's realistic then if I had maybe 75? 75, yeah. yeah. And just everyone in masks. and Yeah, until, and they're, until they're seated or even when they're... Yeah, I mean... The mask might be fun. The yeah, mask might be a fun part of the movie. That could be a fun little joke at the end yeah. or a little something of like... That's what I'm thinking of turning it into. And I hope yeah. it's not compromise. Like everyone says compromise is the worst thing in art. I don't think so. No. Compromise is You fine. adapt. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Thank you for that Done. conversation. <laughs> uh, um, but going down Bank Street, driving down Bank Street, it does look like everything's back to normal. The oh streets are jammed. The yeah. sidewalks are jammed. Everyone once in a while sees someone outside wearing a mask. Yeah. But it looks like life's back to normal almost. Well, I came on Saturday or Sunday to the Mayfair, and 
I'm biking down O'Connor. If you live in Ottawa, it's just a, one of the main kind of Glebe streets. And there was a lot of people. And I wasn't thinking about it. I'm like, oh, it's a nice day, a lot of people. And usually I cut right through Lansdowne to get to the Mayfair. There was a ton of people. And it was like too late for me to turn around. And a soccer game was just letting out. <laughs> and I'm sure it wasn't 20,000 people. But it felt, felt like, like 20,000 yeah. people. And there was all these people, like strangers, just going, yay, sports, and like <laughs> high-fiving each other and hugging. Oh. And I was just like, oh, no, no. And, and But it was just letting out. And I did not look this up. And I'm sure they were kind of like the Mayfair. I bet you like every other row was empty or whatever. But it was, it was at least thousands of people. And I see that, and part of me is like, oh, do we really need a soccer game right now? And, <laughs> you know, we're at the Mayfair, so we can't judge about that kind of thing. But seeing... Let's just say it was 5,000 people coming out of a sporting event. It made me feel really agoraphobic. It made me feel mm. like this isn't, we're not here yet, people. And especially when you see like strangers high-fiving, you're like, yeah. no, no, no. But it's not really happened. Like I've not felt uncomfortable this no. summer yet uh, of anyone getting too close to me. I, I haven't felt, and I'm cautious and most people yeah. around are cautious. Most dog owners are cautious, which I like. Right. That's my life now, walking dogs. Uh, before I came here, I've already walked three hours today with my dog. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. My life is upside down. Well, That's- it's like I remember you saying, this was quite some time ago, that the most uncomfortable you felt was going into a multiplex to see Tenet, Tenet. I think. Tenet was, yeah. And still, you said would, there was just like teenagers everywhere and no adult supervision. and Because they sold their advanced tickets. And they said, oh, but they sold advanced tickets. So you sit over there and it looks safe. On the computer screen, yeah, where you got to the theater. When you got to the theater, there's no one inside the theater. There's no one there. There's no ushers, right. and there's no tape up <laughs> yeah. blocking up the seats. And kids just sat wherever they wanted. Yeah, and everyone was running off without the mask. And I told the usher, who didn't even care to put their head in and look. And it's just like it goes to the, like the, the biggest lesson or the biggest thing I keep observing about this COVID lockdown and and being open with safety things is that the smaller businesses are doing a lot better job for sure than bigger bigger business. Well, just our little neighborhood, like House of Tire, Black Squirrel Books, even the library, you can see everybody doing their job, taking it seriously, following yeah. the rules, and you see the it, again. This was quite some time ago, but Gwen and I, it was before. Before Christmas last year, ordered a Funko advent calendar of Nightmare Before Christmas to pick up at Toys R Us. And I wasn't paying attention at the time to what was open and what wasn't. And I thought we were going to bike up to the Toys R Us. There'd be somebody there. We'd give them a number and they'd come out. But no, the, the mall was just open. So we went into the Toys R Us. And Toys R Us, I have to say, was great. Yeah. They had, yeah, I agree. They I- had a lot of people... Mostly, a lot of rules, a lot of arrows. The I, nerds were all good. You know? I love Toys R Us because they let me bring my dog in. Right, yeah. <laughs> but then we went, oh, well, we're at the Saint Laurent Mall. Let's go grab some takeout lunch from the A&W in the food court. Mm. And I told this story mm. before, but it's like, if five minutes, it's a five-minute walk from the Toys R Us to the food court. That little five-minute walk, I felt like it was Mad Max. Like, my life flashed before my eyes <laughs> because it was just people with masks around their chin it was people working how long in, ago this was a, like before christmas last year because it was an advent calendar related purchase and i was just like there was like a, a jewelry store with a bunch of old ladies working there none of them were wearing the mask there was security guards walking by kids not wearing masks and you could tell they had just given up on life <laughs> and then you look at the food places and you're just like i don't trust any of this and i really felt it was the first time i really felt like we're screwed 
Because <laughs> I think before I'd been to small businesses and people distancing on the sidewalk and, you know, you're walking towards somebody and you kind of smirk as you can beneath masks and kind of give each other a space and give a little head nod. But that mall made me feel like, oh, God, we're all screwed. <laughs> yeah, we just have, now we just have to wait for the rest of the world to catch up to us. Yeah, because... And then like, we can show the room again. Who knows, right? Tommy like, Wiseau keeps emailing me. Oh, does he? Yeah, he's like, when are you going to show it? I advise you to show it as soon as you can. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Tommy, nice to hear from you. Hope everything's safe. Hope you had a, you're safe during that. He doesn't care about that conversation. Yeah. He just wants the, us to show the room again. Because, like, say we did it even with just 75 people. The problem is, it's 75 people yelling into the air, yeah. which is theoretically a bad idea, and throwing things. Rocky Horror, though, has... because of how to, Have you heard Sam's pitch on how to do Rocky Horror? Maybe. It sounds really good. He wants to... And I imagine we'll try this at Halloween. Right. He wants to sit in a chair on the stage, oh, right, just yeah. him by himself, yeah. talking through the whole thing and like giving a you know a performance from his chair. It sounds really good. Yeah. I haven't talked to Sam since before the last lockdown about this, but I think we could probably try something like that. Because we joked about that last year and we almost did it, but yeah. then got shut down again. I imagine we won't shut down this no, year. No, because like my, my longtime joking dream is was to do a non-participation Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. Pretend, it's like cosplay, right? Like pretend you're in 1975. <laughs> pretend it's before anything happened. It's the premiere. It's the premiere. <laughs> but the catch is, I think as people come in, we got to be like, we're not joking. Don't stand up. Stay in your seat. You know, you'll have a host. But I think Rocky Horror patrons are more responsible in a way. I think they'll get the joke. They'll get the thing yeah. of like, that'd be fun with Sam being like a John Waters-esque host doing like a live commentary in costume, you know. You brought up a good point, though. I trust the Rocky Horror crowd that seemingly is all open-minded, right? Young adults. Yes. Whereas the room, they're all a bunch of crackheads. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can imagine Rocky Horror would be a safer attempt. Well, the room has had more. I don't. Know, and it's strange because I'm a fan of mystery science theater. I'm a fan of movies that are so bad it's good. But every once in a while, that room crowd is in there like yelling, and there's no kind of like joy or sing-along it just seems like yeah mad yelling at a screen <laughs> <laughs> and it feels uncomfortable you know yeah. uh, right now yeah yeah <laughs> I, it's, it's, yeah it's just as just as stupid and just as fun as rocky horror or anything else we show i wish the troll 2 was something we showed once a month and i wish some oh, of the yeah. other films like bird demig something else could have caught on as well as the room you got to give it to the room fans and the room itself for sticking around this long i mean rocky horror Two deserves the biggest credits because yeah. it was 1970. I say that often. If people say, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And you're like, well, I remember. It was a great night. We played Sharknado, but it was the perfect time. Like, Sold out. Like if it had been a day later, it probably yeah. wouldn't be good. And it was packed. It was a very good crowd. They had fun. There was a standing ovation at the end. And then we played it again like a month later. And there was like 13 people. Yeah. And it shows you how hard it is to be a true cult film. And other stuff we've screened as well, like, just didn't catch on. I mean, Miami Connection would have been the best. Yeah, Miami Connection or, is the best, worst Or was movie. it was Action USA? Is that one? Oh, yeah. Didn't really catch yeah, on. Yeah, that didn't catch on at all. Birdemic didn't really catch on. Or Birdemic 2. <laughs> so it shows you that, like, it's really hard to be yeah. a true cult film. Like, there's two, and we show them both. <laughs> like, yeah. so, and we will continue to show these It's So Bad, It's Good movies, but 
unlikely to do it on a monthly basis. So I'm excited about. I met this kid in Orleans. He's. I'm very excited about this. Twelve. Did you read his comic book, by the way? I flipped through it. Yeah, Yeah. it's fun. It's. I I want you to give me some real, some real notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, I can share with him that I really like. uh, Yeah. But he's this twelve-year-old kid who made a horror film, a horror feature film over the over the pandemic. Six oh eight. It's called. And I'd love to try it maybe one or two nights in September, October. I think that would play very well. Yeah, and I think our patrons are good enough to be like. It's funny to explain bad, so good movies, but if the kids in the audience and people are laughing or cheering, yeah. I don't think he would be crying. I he, think he would be he, like... His younger brother is quite good in it, Carter. He's, yeah. His younger brother's in it quite a bit, and his younger brother really plays up to the camera, and he looks psycho, and he looks like he's going to kill you. And I do think it's probably the biggest bloodbath I've ever seen made in Ottawa. It's I love got it. So I much love the blood. Idea. The blood looks phony yeah. but there's a lot of it <laughs> I and his he... new movie that he's shooting now is even better his new film is like a hundred times better and i told you i said i told carter and i said told nolan the director i said usually i expect you know a young filmmaker's second film to be better but this is a grand leap right and, and this is like you know, you know you, you, it's so much better and he's like well maybe i should show this movie instead i'm like no 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 Gotta this one's not one. done yeah <laughs> you gotta show your first one and i you know i, I think there could be a very great interest i'm hoping cbc all the day would have him on or something oh yeah uh, it's it's really exciting for him and and us and and i selfishly always say what's good about showing local films is that if he has actors extras crew family yes they'll all come so that's yes. all ticket buyers so it's unless it's... we showed it monday at uh, midnight <laughs> on a sunday monday yeah yeah no i agree yeah i think that'll be i think all his friends and i think the whole neighborhood so there's this there's a waterfall in orleans okay that most people who in new orleans who are making their rinky dink little horror movies shoot the sequence at. i was not down there with my dog and i, I saw this kid with a Michael Myers t-shirt on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice t-shirt kid. And he's like, oh, thanks. And he stopped with his dog. And we started talking about Pinhead and Jason and Freddy. Yeah, and his little brother said, well, my brother makes horror movies. So I watched it and I was thrilled by it. He says, oh, we should show it at the Mayfair. And he, and he can't believe, like, he's going to go through the roof. He's been here at, like... Yeah, I met him. We, yeah, he's yeah. been here a few times now. It's the uh, Bruce Campbell quote from a number of years back in his book where it's like, the great thing nowadays is anybody can make a movie. Yeah. The bad thing nowadays is anybody Everybody. can make a movie. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's allowing for some real treasure to happen, whether that be kind of bigger stuff like Tangerine, was it called? The the movie yeah. that famously shot on a phone. So good. One of my favorite movies of the last few years. So good. This great story. And basically it's just like a, a night in the life of a trans person in Hollywood yeah. around Christmas. So good. And, and it, his next film was even... And his next film was one of the best American films made of the 20th century. Yeah. Florida Project. Florida made. Project, yeah. Every time I see something I love, like Zola... Yes. I oh, always Zola say that's great. Yeah, I always say that's the best film I've seen since the Florida <laughs> Project. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great now because once upon a time, I just watched a documentary, a TV documentary called I Am Hitchcock. I think it's a series because I've watched I Am Muhammad Ali and I Am Somebody Else. There's a I bunch like, of them. I like all those people. But the Hitchcock one, they, they show him... They show some scenes of the rope. And the camera is just like as big as a fridge. Technicolor cameras were huge. It's enormous. And they're shooting in this apartment set on a lot. And you look at nowadays, whether it be film or digital or whatever, and the camera's a much more reasonable size that a person can put on their shoulder or have on a tripod. But you look at the old days and you're like, yeah, like not everybody could make a movie back then. So nowadays... We had a thing here a while back where a group of kids came in with their art teacher and they showed a bunch of little stop motion animations they did. And the kids were thrilled. And some of it was actually real fun. And it was like Lego or claymation. 
but that was done with like a teacher who is probably not like a cinematic film enthusiast genius just a, a teacher who had a phone and an, an editing thing they downloaded and a bunch of 10-year-olds made a bunch of short films and got to watch them at the Mayfair. Maybe Apple should make bigger phones now yeah. <laughs> to prevent amateurs from making movies. Yeah. yeah. So Alfred Hitchcock shot a movie in Quebec City called oh, yeah. I Confess, starring Montgomery Cliff, who plays a priest who's, uh, who's accused of murder. And uh, it's, it's a really fun little film. Uh, Sam Kettleman from Rocky Horror was in Quebec City this week. Yeah. And I said, shit, Sam, can you find me the stairs? Where Alfred Hitchcock did his cameo. And so I sent him a photo where Hitchcock does this really cool cameo in, in Quebec City. I'd love to find those stairs, find the exact camera angle, right. and reshoot it just for fun. And uh, he found the stairs. And I, cool. I love the, I've never been to Quebec City. Have you been to Quebec City? Yes, briefly. Briefly really? been there, yeah. I wanted to go in the 90s because they did a, they did a James Bond film festival. And that invited Roger Moore. Roger Moore was in Quebec City cool. putting it on in the 90s. And I really wanted to go. Yeah. That would have been my last chance to ever meet the guy because, well, he died maybe 10 or 15 years later. I've never, it's crazy living in Ottawa. I've never been to Quebec City. But now I've got a reason to go to see those stairs. Go the check Alfred, that out. The Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> stairs. If you follow Sam at all on Facebook, he posted a picture of the, from the top of the stairs. Although in the movie, I think Montgomery Cliff comes out of a side door and behind him are these stairs and you see Hitchcock's silhouette walk by. It's really cool. Watching that documentary, I realized there's a hole in my Hitchcock <laughs> watching resume because there's a good handful of his early stuff that I haven't yeah. seen yet. Um, I don't have the hole anymore. I spent a lot of time COVID watching. Right. <laughs> yeah. The early stuff I like more. His early stuff is, is sensational. And the stuff he was making for uh, the, the English uh, production companies. And I just love the psycho story of everybody was like, don't do this. And that, yeah. he was essentially slumming it. Yeah, there's a, what is that film about the making of it's a black and white film that came out a few years ago and they're making Hitchcock's making right. Psycho and at one point two studio heads from Universal said they walked off set as like geez that's going to be a turkey yeah. thank God we have a new Jerry Lewis movie coming out yeah I love this <laughs> and there was some recorded I think like old audio recording of interviews with some of the crew and it's just fascinating that basically because he was going fast and cheap which is completely gone now. Like the blur between a television movie and a big screen movie and the blur between talent where you've got Al Pacino or Matthew McConaughey or Melissa McCarthy doing a TV show and doing movies. You know, you, you can do both now. Back then there was a big line in the sand. Yeah. So he got his Alfred Hitchcock Presents crew to do Psycho. So they were moving really fast compared to the kind of snobbery of the, of the cinema crew. I think they said wanted to do it for under a million dollars, where at the time his movies were, say, like $5 million or whatever. And then he almost got cold feet and was going to split it up into like a three-parter Alfred Hitchcock Presents special. Yeah. So that almost happened. And then it came out, and now it's his most, arguably his most memorable film and most famous film. It and is. It, it, but it, it's crazy to think. If, if Psycho didn't exist, he'd still be a master filmmaker. Oh, yeah. I watched his two silent films he made, uh, The Lodger and Downhill recently. But it'd be fun maybe to show some, maybe in October we could do Notorious and Rebecca, some of the early films that are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that, and The Man Who Knew Too Much or something. It'd be, yeah, maybe we could try Hitchcock again. Or like, Oh, what's the one about the journalist? Foreign Correspondent? Yes, that's great. I haven't seen that one. That's a that's big one great. that I haven't seen. Yeah. 
But I love Psycho. And Psycho. they look great. They look the yeah. Criterion's going back and doing these 4K restorations of these oh, old yeah. movies. Did you, did you see that Once Upon a Time in China's coming out? Yeah, thanks for the Mayfair. Yes, I know. And they, they listed the special features. Yeah. And one whole line was because of what we provided Criterion. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. that is a... November a release. November release of... One, uh, Once Upon a Time in China, one, two, three, four, five. The first three are remastered in 4K. Four and five are only 2K. That's okay. Jet Li's not in those movies. It's really <laughs> all about Once Upon a Time in China, one, two, and three. There is a sixth Once Upon a Time in China movie that's not in this box set. It's called Once Upon a Time in China and America that Sammo Hung uh, was involved with. And a lot of that was shot in the United States in Texas with Jet Li. And Quentin Tarantino, there's a rumor. So Once Upon a Time in China's part six is Once Upon a Time in China and America. And I remember when they were filming it when it came out. I think it's a different studio or something. I don't know why it's not in this box set, but it should be. That, but there was a rumor that Quentin Tarantino wanted to be in it so bad and he went to set and he's not in the movie. For not some there. <laughs> I don't even know if any of that's Take true. That, Quentin. I don't know, but I remember that was a story that he, that he had filmed the scene or something. And it'd be cool. But it's it's a western. It's like it's, it's the story of Wong Kar Wai. Wong Kar Wai is Jet Li's character. Comes to uh, the old Wild West and fights the cowboys. And, right. Yeah. It's- so basically, yeah. If you buy this Criterion box set, you'll see the Mayfair mentioned because we provided a thirty-five millimeter print from our archives. Yeah, they had a print already scanned that Eureka had scanned, but Criterion's like. They wanted to do better than the Eureka box set that just came out. So they said, oh, we want to try to find part two, part three is a mono. They can only find a mono print. They wanted to find a stereo print that also uh, with the first reels in Mandarin and the rest of the movies in Cantonese. And that's exactly what we had. And not only that, our print was mint compared to what Eureka had. So the Criterion box set will be better, at least for part three in the series. Cool. And the first three movies are quite good. Part one's quite good. It's interesting because the Wong Kar Wai theme song is more famous. It's more popular in China than the, the national anthem of China. <laughs> it's more well-known. And I love, I feel like when I hear it, I can sing the lyrics. Just because in the movie, in, one, in Once Upon a Time in China, part one, I don't think it exists in part two and three, but the lyrics are sung by Jackie Chan, although he's not in the movie. It's kind of cool that they got into singing. That, that, that's the same comparison as in Canada. The Littlest Hobo theme song is more popular than our national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I love that show. I, I mean, it's again, that's it's so bad, it's good. Littlest Hobo is just brilliant. <laughs> so, speaking of, here, watch this segue. Uh, let's talk about movies that we have coming up this week, starting Friday, August 20th, and going through Thursday, August 26th. And speaking of Littlest Hobo, we have the movie Stray, Stray which is a documentary about puppy dogs in Turkey, where there are no rules about capturing or sadly putting down stray dogs. So there's a bazillion of them running around, but they seem to be okay. And they, I don't know, it's like squirrels here. I don't know. They're just yeah. a lot of them. It looks good, though. It looks like it's like Baraka for dogs. Yeah, it looks really, and it's, and it's a very sparse crew like i think it might have just been like the director and a couple other people yeah and it's the josh special i love movies that are around 75 minutes long i like nice short films now am i allowed to bring my dog josh i don't know melissa brought that up and my first reaction was just that oh do we want to put another factor into these covid times to wrangle or... the only time the only good time would be for sunday sunday afternoon yeah but is it worth it yeah Let's not talk about it. Like, we'll figure it out, yeah. <laughs> and often we've done that before, and like yeah. one dog shows up anyways. Yeah. So. In the good old days, we showed up a million years ago, 10 years ago. 
and I swear to God, there was like 40 or 50 dogs here. Yeah. And in the context of the movie, there's the joke where they're like, squirrel, and the half dozen dogs in the movie bark. And just, it was 40 dogs in the audience barking. It was so amazing. It was super yeah. funny. I came to see Milo and Otis, and it was packed with yeah. dogs. And it was so fun. The dogs were all barking at the same time. And it was yeah. just, But it didn't interrupt the enjoyment of the movie at no, all. It no. made it more entertaining. Now yeah. when we had that cat no rental. Pee. Oh, what cat rental? When we, when we let 50 cats into the cinema, that didn't work as well. <laughs> yeah, we let Melissa lost her eyeballs. <laughs> cats running up and down the screen. <laughs> really cool documentary stray that's coming up that's uh we were supposed to show that like months ago and then covid got in the way so we're glad that we could squeeze that in still then a newer film we have dream horse with tony collette the great tony collette and this is that very distinct uk subgenre, whether it be the full monty or brassed off or that you grant movie where he goes up a mountain of just like blue collar people having an adventure to try to save the town through a weird way. So this way, instead of stripping or putting together a band or winning a lottery <laughs> ticket, it's a horse race. It looks great. And I, and I got to say, I'm, I'm really excited about it because I recently watched with my wife Muriel's Wedding, which oh, I yeah. haven't seen since it came out. And we were in our living room together, just my wife and I, watching this, killing ourselves laughing throughout. It's so, like, yeah. I want to watch another Tony Collette <laughs> movie right now. Ooh, Dark Horse. Perfect. I love her because, and she does like horror films and drama and comedy and everything. And she's always good. And mm. ah, she's so good. That's a nice family film. You could bring grandma to. You mm-hmm. bring grandma to Dream Horse. Yes. And then we have the Ottawa premiere of Raging Fire with the great Donnie Yen, who I love so much. Which was funny because Lee sent out an email saying, with the title Raging Fire at like 11.30 at night. And Melissa, one of our staff, emailed back, uh, don't send out an email that says Raging Fire at midnight that I wake up and look at and get scared. I hope Donnie Yen never makes a movie. The cinema is gone. <laughs> but Donnie Yen is, you know, what, what do you say? He's the best. and this he is, is the greatest living martial artist in cinema. And I've heard comparisons that this movie is kind of a, a Hong Kong heat kind of cops and backstabbing and double crossing and they the reviews are great yeah and i think back to a couple years ago when donnie yen was in a star wars movie yeah and i swear there's a scene where his great kind of monk-esque character blind by uh, brad allen that scene is sitting there and surrounded by stormtroopers and i swear i just under my breath leaned over to gwen and was like Donnie Yen's about to fight stormtroopers. <laughs> and I was almost like bursting into nerd tears. I'm yeah. like, what a time to be alive. Brad Allen directed that scene who just passed last week. Oh, I didn't know. That's cool. Yeah. And he did all of Solo. He did all the action stuff oh, wow. friend Solo. Yeah. And poor Benny Chan, who directed this movie, died right after making the movie. Benny Chan directed three Jackie Chan movies, including the great Who Am I? Right. And he's a really good Hong Kong filmmaker. I, yeah, he just sadly died right after making Raging Fire. Um, Nicholas Say is in the movie, who's great. He's sort of like a, he's sort of like the new blood, right? But yeah. now he's not new anymore because like he was the new blood in the late nineties. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it looks great. I can't. I can take my son to see it maybe uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And then finally, we wrap up our Man with No Name trilogy with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Arguably the most famous western of all time. I would say probably one of the three most entertaining movies ever made. I think pound for pound, not, I'm not saying it's the best film with one of the three best films ever made, but in terms of entertainment value, yeah. what beats 
Wizard of Oz, Star Wars, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Those three films are just, yeah. just uh, maybe Airplane. But <laughs> <laughs> and the reviews for it, going back to present-day reviews of Good, Bad, and the Ugly, are just like Clint Eastwood, the cinematography, the music, the epic scope, just everything. It's just like Sergio Leone a couple of movies in, so he probably had a little bit more power to be like, I'm going to make this an hour longer than the other movies. And Clint Eastwood a few steps into being really comfortable in that Clint Eastwood persona. It's just everybody knows it. And let me say, bring your kids. I, I got to say, the yeah. one of the best, I watched Good, Bad, and Ugly with my son over COVID break. I watched it with my daughter. They both loved it. Loved it. Yeah. And I can't wait to come, come and see it again. Yeah, bring your kids. And Clint Eastwood has a new movie coming oh, out. Oh, yeah. Macho, Cry Macho. Because <laughs> he's 110 years old. 91. And still making movies. Directing and starring in, at the age of 91, yeah, this new Western. To me, it's like, it's a good, it's a good time maybe to come take your kids to see the new the, one of Clint Eastwood's first films because he's got a new one coming out and you can take him to see that too. Get them excited about another new... Yeah. I feel like this might be the shootest for him, but who knows? Maybe he's got 10 more movies in him. Yeah. I, I took my kids to his last film and the one before that because I thought it would be his last film. But the shootest came out. That was John Wayne's last film. It was his swan song, another Western. I feel like this might be it. Cry Macho might be that a little bit. The trailer... I don't know. I love the trailer. And Good, Bad, Ugly is only rated PG, so you're fine to bring kids, even though we live in this... Wild West World of Ontario where there's no rating, so it doesn't really matter, but And it's two hours and forty five minutes long. It doesn't it feels like an hour long. Yeah. It goes by really quick. And we're showing a four K original theatrical version of the movie. The the original theatrical version hasn't been available theatrically since before the nineties because they did a director's cut and they well, they're not a director's cut, they put a extended cut and they put a bunch of deleted scenes and okay, Clint Eastwood yeah. and Eli Wallach re recorded they didn't have the audio, but they found the footage. So they Weird. bought them in the studio in the 90s. And you can tell they're kind of old. I, <laughs> yeah. I like it fine, but I do like those scenes better as a deleted scene. Right. I think the theatrical cut is a much better film. It's stronger. It's just a little tighter. It's what Sergio Leone released to the world. It's his director's cut. And it's a new 4K restoration. Man, I, we, I came to see... I'm coming to see for a few dollars more tonight. I saw a fistful of dollars last week with my son. And my God, it looked good on the big screen. In oh, 4K. yeah. All Oof. this old stuff looks so good. Wow. I remember a few years back when people, some people were like, oh, it's the death of cinema, no more film, film. And I was like, I don't know, I think we would be okay. And really the silver lining, the devil's advocate, whatever you want to call it, of is you look at these movies digitally on the big screen and you're like, wow, these look good. I keep listening to audio commentaries and, and, and interviews with directors and, and actors who look at their older movies and, and say it time and time again, wow, it never looked this good when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they're not altering or changing anything too much. I, I think filmmakers are allowed to do that to their own work. But yeah. if, you know, if Shout Factory is putting out a Blu-ray and they're changing a shot here and there, that's not cool. But if they're doing a simple 4K restoration and showing you how, the, the, how good this film can look, I yeah, watched please bring it on. Malibu High recently. And <laughs> we showed that at Saturday Night Cinema. Yeah, I saw it right before that. And, <laughs> and I laughed. Eric laughed at me because I said, this movie has no right to look this good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I, I have a theory. So I watched Strike Commando came out on yeah. Blu-ray. And I'm like, oh my God, this new 4K Blu-ray looks great. I think movies like Malibu High and Strike Commando and some Andy Sedaris movies that have come out on Blu-ray really recently. I think the reason why they look so good is because they only would have prints made for the Cannes Film Festival in right, the market. Yeah. Show it at Cannes in the market maybe two or three times. Maybe show it at the AFM. But they wouldn't get theatrical releases. If they did, maybe one or two cities in an entire country for a week. So those prints never got shown. And if they were preserved, they were put away in a cool environment, 
all these years later, striking Blu-rays from a print that never really showed. That's why they look mint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I, yeah, these movies don't deserve to look this good, but they do because they probably only got screened once or twice. Yeah, because if you watch a random copy of Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Ghostbusters... Ghostbusters never look good. It's been played, even nowadays, say, yeah. say we were still playing them on prints, they'd be played dozens of times a year still, yeah. being shipped around. Yeah, it's not Malibu High. Not Malibu High. <laughs> yeah. What else was going to say about that? That... When Andy, remember when Andy Sedaris died, right. uh, I became I became friends with him and his wife. After he died, I stayed in contact with his widow, Arlene. And Arlene said, "Hey Lee, why don't you just store our prints for us, and you can show them anytime you want, as long as you store them." So we had thirty five millimeter prints of her husband's movies here. Yeah, and we screened them from time to time. And I had the writer. I said, "Arlene, these prints are immaculate." They're so shiny and look like they were shot yesterday. You should make Blu-rays of them now before we show them too much or someone let borrows them. So I sent them all back to her and now there's all these new Blu-rays out of her husband's movies and they look like Malibu High. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Do, you wouldn't think they would look so good, but they are deserved to look so good. Yeah. But then, my God, it's it, because celluloid, 35 millimeters equivalent to 6K. Right. And if they're scanning these movies at 4K resolution, then, yeah, they're gonna look. They're gonna look like better than anything. It's so funny. I, I love this age for that of just yeah. getting to screen these weird lost movies. Yeah. Cool. So let's wrap it up for this week because I've got to. I'm actually working this afternoon, so I got to get ready pretty soon. Thanks for listening. You can find all of our information at mayfairtheater.ca and on twitter and instagram and facebook our advanced tickets are at events.com and uh, we'll be back next week to talk about more movies coming up soon at the mayfair theater thanks everybody bye adios adios that was fun the good the bad the ugly Clint Eastwood Eli Wallach Lee Van Cleef, three men, three guns, and the gold. The good, the bad, and the ugly, in color from United Artists of Transamerica Company, suggested for mature audiences. Second big week exclusively at the Crest Downtown. Second hit, Kill a Dragon.